This is ABC Radio Melbourne. And it's 17 past four. Now, we've heard more today about what's being called unprecedented pressure on Victoria's health system. The emergency phone service says it's being inundated with calls and that coincides with the rise in COVID cases, of course. Ambulance Victoria says ramping, which is where ambulances wait outside hospitals until their patients can be admitted. But that's happening at every hospital on a daily basis. In fact, Executive Director of Clinical Operations Mick Stevenson told ABC Radio today it'll only get worse as COVID cases climb. We're under extraordinary pressure. I've never seen the health system under the pressure it's under at the moment. And so we're having longer delays at hospital than we've ever had before. And our capacity to respond and our performance has never been challenged as much as it has been over recent weeks. We're joined now by Associate Professor Mark Putland, Director of Emergency at Royal Melbourne Hospital. He can tell us about what's happening there. Hello, Professor. G'day, g'day, Mary. Mark. Hi, Mark. What's happening at the Royal Melbourne in terms of the pressure on your system? Oh, look, it, it, I guess we're, you know, in some ways a bit like the frog in the pot of hot water that doesn't almost, well, I wouldn't say we don't notice, but things get hotter and hotter and it, um, it feels a bit like it's just normal business. Um, but when you look back at how, at, look at our numbers now and look at how things were, you know, what, under what we thought was normal before all this uh, happened, I guess things have really taken off. We're seeing um, more people than we were seen before and into our ED and it's the same at all. My colleagues EDs around around the state, um, we're also seeing more ambulances than ever before and the patients who are coming are generally sicker than they've been before and of course we've got COVID in the mix as well so we're trying to keep people COVID safe while they're here um, and of course of our COVID presentations, um, we've got some pretty sick ones among them. We've got some pretty well ones among them too. There's a lot of people who are coming to hospital simply because they, you know, they've got the diagnosis, they're feeling rotten and they don't know what to expect and understandably they're a bit frightened. So we, we're discharging about half of our COVID patients each day. Um, but that's not a quick and easy thing to do either because it's, it's a new disease. There's a lot of explaining to do and there's a lot of implications for someone's life when they're diagnosed. So it's, it's a complicated place at the moment, that's for sure. Well, absolutely. As my colleague Ali Moore was saying this morning, you know, it's hard when you've got that messaging, the, the very well-placed, well-intentioned and accurate messaging that COVID's very, very dangerous. Uh, you're not going to delay going into hospital then, are you, if you if your symptoms are getting dramatically worse when we've heard about tragic cases when people have been caught out? That's right, and we don't want people being uh, staying at home when they should come in, or or being frightened to come to hospital. I mean, I think that's what worries us most is that there's people in sections of the community who are perhaps um, uh, reluctant to come to hospital, perhaps don't trust uh, the health system the same way as others do, that that might stay at home too long and, and get into strife. Um, so are you worried that some of the coverage of this, I mean, we obviously have to acknowledge and react to the strain on the system, but I guess your message would be to people, don't let that keep you away if you if you think you need to go. If you think you need it, don't, don't let it keep you away. But I've got to say this too, um, now more than ever before, don't come to hospital if you don't need the care of a hospital. That's it's really important. And so we, um, look, we're going to be in a business. Last year, many, 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 probably 90% of our COVID cases in Victoria um, had their care at home, many of them without actually having any any uh, medical care. They just they had their diagnosis, they waited it out because the GPs weren't at that stage really geared up for providing a, um, you know, a telehealth service for COVID. That's changed now and there is much more capacity to take care of people in the community. A lot more GPs are able to keep an eye on people, do telehealth reviews and, and give them advice on when to come to hospital. So there is scope for that. And then, of course, if you don't have COVID and you don't want to catch COVID, 
then staying away from hospitals is not a bad idea at the moment. Now, once again, I don't want people with heart attacks staying away and strokes staying away and people who are really unwell staying away. But if you're thinking that tossing up, going to the GP and thinking, oh, it'll be a pain because I might have to go down the street for a blood test and then I might have to go and get an X-ray and I might be out of pocket or I could go to the hospital and get it all done in one day, I would. my advice would be now choose the first option and, and go to your GP um, get that good continuity of care and uh, and stay away from what we've got here because we're really, all of us at the moment, ramping up for um, a, a really different kind of uh, situation than we faced in Victoria for you know for a long time. And, mm. and, and I'm a bit worried about our ability to, to provide that really personalised care that we like to provide for people who aren't um, at the sicker end of the spectrum. We're going to be asking people to, 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 to go home and see their GP a bit more often, I think. Yeah, um, uh, you're listening to Associate Professor Mark Putland, Director of Emergency at Royal Melbourne Hospital. You talk about trying to get back to that level of care. How long is that going to take, do you think? <laughs> Simple question. We're all, we spend all day looking at graphs and curves and wondering when it's going to end and when it's going to start. And, um, I think there's no question that between now and Christmas time, um, we're all in for a pretty tricky time in Victoria and in the health system particularly, and we're going to be taking care of a lot of very unwell people. Certainly here in this northwest corner of Melbourne, um, we seem to be taking care of a lot of uh, unwell COVID patients, and I think it's gradually spreading to the whole of the city, and and the the regional areas will be doing it too soon. It'll be tough for them in different ways because of the resourcing that they've got. So um, I think really between now and Christmas, we can be expecting that everyone's going to be on a very much a COVID footing and it's not going to be like last year where it was all about um, sort of making the diagnosis and keeping people isolated. This year it's about taking care of pretty sick people mm-hmm. um, because the numbers are higher and and, uh, and it's just uh, it's, it's a different a different spectrum of disease we're seeing this year. Yeah, they're getting sicker as you say. So Mark, what do you need right now? Is it money, an injection of money? Is it an injection of staff? What is it? Uh, look, the, look, money, you know, has been the federal, the, sorry, the state government's been fantastic in in stumping up um, financial resources to do this. So our difficulty is is just the, the finding the people to employ with that money. That's really the trouble. And I suppose finding space. You know, we've got it, it's very difficult to just suddenly increase your um, your footprint in a place like the Royal Melbourne that's parked in the middle of the city. Um, you know, it's a, there's a dozen buildings all sort of patched together over 50 years or 100 years. Um, to suddenly just say, oh, we're going to have a, another stream added for another 100 patients a day, it's not that straightforward. So so space is tricky, but places can work around that. People are finding solutions, but finding people, the human resources are really precious. Our staff are really, really precious. I mean, we're, we're just doing what we can to take care of them because we've got to take care of the ones we've got. We'd ask the community to take care of them and just be kind to the people who are, are running around in PPE all day and, and doing their best. And um, and, and look, if we're looking for anybody out there who is interested in joining our workforce. It's a good workforce to be part of, so please come and, and talk to us. Um, Absolutely. Because we want more and more people. But if it's finding the people to do the work, that's the real challenge for us because you don't find highly trained staff, um, you know, just they don't grow on trees. So. Yeah, uh, well, yes, I hope uh, people heed that call. Also, Mark, uh, just a quick question about the COVID testing clinic at the mm. hospital. I believe that was closed recently. Why is that? Uh, look, it was just time for that to move um, away from the hospital and, and for us to re- refocus on taking care of sick COVID patients. When the, when the, and, it, and it was with a tear in my eye that I saw it go because we, the emergency department of the Royal Melbourne set up that clinic um, uh, with the assistance of our infectious disease colleagues on the Australia Day long weekend last year and I'll never forget getting home from my 
little holiday I was having and finding the guys all trying to put that together. Um, it was an amazing piece of work done under pressure, and it just grew and grew um, until it became this really extraordinarily slick clinic, t- testing hundreds of people every day. Mm. Um, now it's finally got to the point where you know we've got COVID testing clinics all over the city now. Um, they're all operating really well. Everyone's doing it. That's no longer something that this big hospital needs to do. This hospital needs to focus on yeah. taking care of people who are sick with COVID. So we've handed that over to other people um, that take the testing out of our lab and into a private pathology lab so that our lab can focus on on, uh, on, on what we need to do for the sick people who are coming in. And, and it's just about a pivot of our focus here. But yeah. it's, um, I'm very proud of the work that was done by initially you know, by, by members of our team, but then by many other teams across the hospital all had to muck in and make that the success it was. And it was a really successful clinic and, and we're glad glad to see it grow up and spread its wings and, and move on. Well done for them. But of course, yes, all these things have to evolve. And really, really quickly, Mark, just a quick thing from the text. Someone has said the UK has a dedicated, had a dedicated COVID patient line for people to ring just about COVID care and management at home. Uh, do we, do hospitals have that? Do you have that already? No, but it's, look, it's been increasing conversations in many, many meetings I've been at lately that um, we need to do more to offer um, patients and, and, sorry, offer the community uh, education and expectations about you've been diagnosed with COVID, what next? We've created a new role within our hospital called a clinical COVID care navigator whose, whose job is simply to um, sit down with people who've got a new diagnosis and who are waiting to get home um, in that hour or two while, they, while we organise transport home and just educate them about the disease and, and, and about all the things that have been happening to their life now, that they now can't go out. This is how you, for some people, as simple as this is how you order online groceries and online food because they might be someone who's never done that before. Um, this is what to expect from your symptoms. This is when to come back. So we're doing that at our level in the patient-by-patient level, but I think we do need to have something available um, online and on the phone. We're putting resources together for our website right now as we speak. We're trying to get them into multiple languages. I think other hospitals are doing the same, and I believe that the Department of Health is working on this as well at a bigger scale. So it's, I certainly think it needs to be done. Your call is right, because as we say, there are people, many, many people with COVID can manage at home. They just need to know what to expect. Yep, sounds like a really good idea. Mark Putland, thank you so much for joining us today. Delighted. Okay. Yes, you too. And good luck, Associate Professor Mark Putland, the Director of Emergency at Royal Melbourne Hospital. We'll get to more of those texts, but quickly we need to get to the next thing, which is Australia doing really well in what we're calling the Robot Olympics. You're listening to ABC Radio Melbourne. If you go to the CSIRO webpage, you can find a picture of a very charming uh, little... Looks like one of those things from Star Wars, actually. It looks like a big robotic dog, bit of Tonka Tuck truck yellow on the top. This is, in fact, uh, a silver winning entry in what we're calling the Robot Olympics. Dr. Navinda Kortiga is the head of robotics at the CSIRO, who can tell us all about it. Hi, Dr. Kortiga. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, <laughs> So the, uh, even though it's called the Robot Olympics, uh, the, the actual name for it is the DARPA Subterranean Challenge. Uh, so it's, it was a global robotics challenge uh, that we competed in uh, which uh, for, for a period of three years. And we had the final event last, uh, last week, and we came to a very tight finish, and we ended up second, uh, second place in that. 
That is absolutely fantastic. Congratulations. As you say, the competition took three years. It's called the Subterranean Challenge. So it's supposed to be about designing robots uh, who can find lost or injured humans or backpacks and so forth. As I say, this thing has uh, long legs and, uh, and this sort of fetching yellow shell. What's so good about your entry? Uh, yes, so uh, as I said, the the, uh, the challenge was about sending uh, a team of robots into unknown underground environments such as uh, man-made tunnels, uh, natural cave systems, uh, underground built environments, and uh, the whole setup was trying to simulate the aftermath of a, of a natural disaster or a mine collapse, essentially a search and rescue type operation where the robots would have to go in and search for a number of um, predefined objects, uh, such as thermal mannequins representing human survivors, pockets of carbon dioxide, once again, uh, representing human survivors, uh, cell phones, backpacks, uh, and uh, uh, climbing rope, hard hats, uh, various artifacts like that that you would commonly find in the aftermath of a disaster that indicates survivors. So in, 